pullover. Lean in. It's time for the Soft Shoulder Podcast. I am your host, Danette Relic of Radical Creative Sanctuary, inviting spaciousness for your mind and your heart. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. The Soft Shoulder is your time. Your time to slow down and fuel up on self-love support so you can make the most of your gorgeous life. Join me here. Everyone needs a soft shoulder. Hi. This is... uh on location, the soft shoulder on location. I'm in, um, (laughs) and I'm recording this having no idea if it'll work. Um, so if you're listening to this, that is a triumph. Um, how are you? If you're listening to this, that tells me something that tells me that, uh, you want to listen. (laughs) It tells me that, um, you know, there's still a part of you kind of like open for hearing something, something soft shoulder, like something comforting. Um, maybe you tuned in just to hear me laugh, which will probably happen. Um, and, uh, the truth is, um, as you know, if you're a subscriber, uh, the last time, uh, a episode was due to drop. I, uh, this was pre pre Corona. I, uh, I was having a tough day, tough week with um, symptoms from the brain injury healing stuff. And um, I, I, I decided not to release an episode that week. And um, what was funny was like I would sit down, I try, I actually did record a f- something. <laughs> and um, I, it didn't feel like me and it didn't feel like I didn't know where it was coming from. I felt very out of sorts. And there's this fine line. Um, if you're in a healing or helping profession or if you're an artist or anyone who's, whose work crosses that line, you know, where you're balancing showing up authentically um, with your own life and the material of your own life, unlike if you were, you know, if I was like making hamburgers, that would have nothing to do with what's happening at home in my life. <laughs> in my heart, um, which is like the beauty of a job of like assembly. Um, but, uh, there's that line, right? Where it's like, what is authentic? Where am I coming from? A place of honesty. This is a relationship. I take it very seriously. And I've also learned a lot over the past bunch of years about, um, well, about boundaries and about where, um, where it's being of service to share and where it's like, you need to take that to the diary or take that to your therapist or take that somewhere else. And not all vomit shares are authentic expressions. And in fact, um, um, yeah, a lack of boundaries is not vulnerability as Brene Brown says. Um, anyways, I was exploring that concept a lot and have thought a lot about, Whenever I record something for you, write something for you, post something on Instagram, I think of it as a gift. I wrote a mission for my business, um, I don't know, was it a couple years ago? And I would read it and it would connect me to like, this is why I'm doing this. Like, is a picture of my salad relevant? 
maybe, um, <laughs> but usually not. And um, unless it is, anyway, it was just a way of uh, like bringing that compass to um, how I want to show up in my work because I I take this very seriously. Um, and maybe that's not even the right word for it. Um, I think what I have come to realize so deeply is how much I respect this work and, um, how I want to show up for it is with an enormous sense of respect for you and for me and for the work itself. So here we are. Um, I don't know when, (laughs) again, it's an experiment, so I don't know if I'm like, Allison, can I send you this random recording from my phone? <laughs> Make it into a podcast? That's what I'll be asking her shortly. Um, <laughs> this episode, by the way, is brought to you by Tech Coven. <laughs> Allison, thank you so much. Um, so, yeah, so here we are now. It's uh, the world has changed, the world keeps changing. Um, I remember watching, I think it was like a Sarah Silverman stand-up bit where she was talking about how, you know, she'd pre, like a lot of us do, it's like pre-writing your tweets or pre-scheduling your Instagram posts. I do this. Um, I work especially with the, how I've had to manage, learn how to manage my focus a lot more in the last couple of years. Um, batching things really works for me, doing a whole bunch of things at once and then feeling that, you know, relaxed, like, okay, like then just tending to it as as things go. Anyhow, so Sarah Silverman had done this, I guess, with her Twitter feed. And then on the morning of 9-11, she, I guess, didn't think about (laughs) whatever was scheduled because it was just automated. And of course, during the height of this like big moment, um, in its like shock and horror, she had tweeted something like just completely absurd, which of course did not go over well because people are, you know, it was like real time. It was like, <laughs> now it's funny. At that moment, probably not. Um, anyways, but I feel like um, with the news coming in as quickly and changing as quickly as it is now, um, yeah, I've been like sort of like pausing and just processing for myself, but also thinking a lot about what is helpful what is of service right now um what do people want to hear because what I'm seeing and I know that my feed is very curated (laughs) um is you know a a big mixture right like some people want to be just distracted and laugh some people want to be looking at the bright side some people want to just make sure that everyone is as informed as possible um there's comments about um, all different kinds of things in terms of social justice as the cracks in the bigger systems are being like, should have been noticeable before, but now the people who, um, maybe have, you know, benefited from not noticing are starting to notice as things affect their own lives. Um, there's a lot to speak to. Um, Uh, I saw somebody post that, um, you know, (laughs) one of the things too, of course, was all the how to work from home, you know, helpful hints and tips that you may be getting in newsletters or wherever. And um, was it Stephanie of Plaid Paddle? I think so. Hi, Stephanie. Um, (laughs) She said, you know, working from home is not the same as working during a pandemic 
And I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> all of this is true. Um, you know, what, I, what I've noticed anytime there's been some major major thing in the news that has everybody kind of connected on a particular topic, usually a scary topic or a difficult topic, you see these waves, right? You see the collective waves of grief, the collective waves of, you know, the information landing or not landing, where people's concerns are, you know, there'll be the first wave of posts, the people getting in there, breaking the news, the first waves of like responses, Then there'll be another wave of like, let's make the best of everything. Then there'll be another wave of like, you know, critiquing how that post might have been problematic. Then there's (laughs) another wave of critiquing the ones that we're critiquing and saying, this isn't the time for judgment. Anyway, it's just like you you see them happening in waves. And um, it's making me think a lot about noise. And um, even good noise might not be helpful noise. I have learned this a lot in the last two years. Um, It's been really interesting reflecting, and that's what I've been doing, um, well, reflecting on, of course, like you, all of this. Uh, Personally, what's been interesting to me is that, you know, this way of life, this quarantining, uh, social, physical distancing, limiting our access to things, Um, that's been the life I've been living for two years. And that's the life that a lot of people have been living either their whole lives or way longer than two years, decades, for lots of different reasons. So watching, you know, the usual able-bodied world, um, the neurotypical world kind of going like, oh God, it's day three and how difficult it is. You know, there's, there's this other population who's watching this, who like, this is their life, you know? And when they asked their boss if they could work from home or make accommodations because they couldn't, you know, go to the team meeting or do whatever it took, um, you know, they're often told that that's not possible, but it's possible now. Um, So, you know, watching all of this has just been interesting uh, from that perspective. And in a weird way, I have felt like... uh, bizarrely prepared not that anyone's prepared (laughs) for this um on all the levels but in some ways I have been um one of my favorite resources I may have mentioned about concussion and brain injury recovery what a beacon of hope Molly Parker is uh Molly Parker PT physical therapist I think yeah um (laughs) she's She's just amazing. Um, her journey is amazing. Her story is amazing. If you want to learn, as a, if you're a healthcare practitioner or someone who has a brain injury or has a loved one with a brain injury, she speaks to all people, the helpers and the healed. And uh, she's just like, has so much hope and uh, great cutting edge information. Anyways, in one of her Instagram stories, she said, she made the joke because she knows her audience, like her, have been living this way. <laughs> for their own personal reasons, not for global pandemic reasons. And she made the joke. She, I think she pumped a fist in the air and said, this is what we've been training for you guys. <laughs> it was great comic relief. And I've been thinking a lot about what she said. Um, it's been difficult to, it's been a practice. I'll say that it's been a practice to, um, uh, to find my strength through this healing process, um, to remind myself that doing 
very little is me doing a lot or me doing my best. When most of the people that I knew, you know, there wasn't this bigger thing affecting all of us. It was something inside my body affecting me. And um, so, you know, not having people to connect with or bond with about it. Um, and, um, you know, not feeling particularly strong, like seeing other people doing the things that I wish that I could be doing and, uh, that I knew I didn't have the energy for. And then sometimes I would foolishly try to do that and I would suffer and recover and it would take a long time to, you know, pull myself back up. And these are not things like climb a mountain. These are things like read, like be at a table with more than four people, like just, you know, <laughs> the bar was still low. And uh, from what I was used to, from what I was used to. So um, anyways, it's been this bumbling practice of seeing strength. And in a weird, absolutely weird turn of events here, um, as I've seen a lot of people reacting to what it's actually like to have to slow your life down so much and then slow it down even more and not know when it'll stop. I'm like, oh, yeah, that I know that I know. And I know how hard it is. And I know how heartbreaking it is. And I know how scary it is. And particularly the scariness of not knowing when it will be over. Um, so in a weird way, <laughs> I've been acknowledging my own strength in a new way the last week and a half or so. Being like, I know what it's like to like, these are, these are regular days for me. Um, it's, um, obviously it's not a direct, perfect comparison. Um, but there are some parallels, like the Venn diagram of like what's going on now and <laughs> what, uh, my experience has been post concussion healing. Um, you know, it's required limits. It's required change. It's required letting go of socializing, letting go of large of community, um, in the way that you knew it, um, not being able to do the things that you love to do, not being able to do the things that usually help you. Um, you know, a lot of people are like, they want to be outside or they want to be at the yoga class or they want to be laughing with friends or at a bar. And these things help them with their mental health. And I know what it's like to have to stop doing things that were, supportive of my mental health because all of a sudden they were doing more harm. You know, um, the, um, one of those examples is choir. I would go to choir, I think for like five years every week on a Wednesday night gathering with people. It almost makes me like weepy to think about that now. Um, all of us crowded very close together in a bar and singing in harmony together, it, it really was a, it became a very quick non-negotiable um, because it just brought me so much joy and so much, I don't know, it was, I knew it was really good for me. It was a huge vitamin CCC <laughs> um, and I could not do that. It was causing a lot of pain and took a lot to recover from and was confusing and overwhelming and so suddenly that had to come off the table and amongst lots and lots of other things. But the point is, is that I know what that feeling of like, you know, that's really difficult. 
I know. So wherever you are, I'm sure there are aspects of this. I've been, you know what? I've been thinking about extroverts in a way that I've never thought about them before. Um, I am an introvert. I am on the spectrum. I am kind of like an introvert the way RuPaul is or Oprah. Like I don't maybe seem that way, um, but I, it's true. And, um, but, you know, I was just thinking about like, you know, for some, not that there's any comfort to being in a global pandemic, but like the introverts I know are kind of like that part of it is not an adjustment. That part is like, okay, you know, they can, they can be at home. They can be reading a book. They can like do this. And it's actually provides some kind of support for them that they normally don't get out in the world. But for extroverts, that's the exact opposite. And, um, if being in connection with people, I mean, we all need connection with people, but if, if that is, you know, the way you fill your cup on the regular and especially (laughs) because we're in a world that is kind of designed for extroverts, workplaces definitely designed for extroverts, most of them. Um, you're just really not used to that, right? I think introverts have like weirdly built that skill of like, we got to find those alone spaces. <laughs> we got to find these refueling stations, you guys. And that's just sort of the way we've had to live, right? If you go to an office, an open office with a ping pong table and all this stuff, like, it's a nightmare. But then you just make it like you build in like, okay, I'm going to find ways to you know, recharge. Um, extroverts have never had to do that in that way. So shout out to the extroverts right now. Um, as you can tell, I don't have a script with me. I'm, (laughs) as I said, I'm walking in a, um, community garden. It's empty, quiet. Um, they've wrapped yellow, like police tape around the park, which is new. There were all these like swings and stuff and all the parents have been physically distancing really well um, and maybe wiping down. Some of the kids were allowed on the playground. Some of them, their parents wouldn't let them. And this is the first day I've come from my walk where there's yellow tape around everything. It's, uh, it's shocking. Um, so where was I? I was... <laughs> talking about right comparing this brain injury thing to the pandemic it's not the same thing um but you know where it lines up though is that there's this bigger sense of danger so there's this real fear you know when you have a brain injury and you start reading about brain injuries and you see how confusing it is um First of all, it's like so difficult to do any research when you have a brain injury, but it becomes this urgent, weird situation. Um, you get a lot of mixed messages and some of the stories are really terrible. Um, they're not very hopeful. I had no idea it could take that long. I had no idea it could take years to uh, heal from post-concussion symptoms. Um, when I first heard that people would tell me that right off the bat after when I was in like my, my weeks at weeks out from the fall. And I remember just that, like, I couldn't take that in. I was like, what do you mean years? And I, I just couldn't take it in. There's no way. There's no way. Um, and you know, and just not knowing, it's just like, will I get better? And the, the big scary thing was like, brain damage, permanent brain damage. What does that mean for the rest of my life? All of a sudden, these things that are always possible just became very acute and intimate, right? Um, 
And that's something that was happening like, you know, with me in my body and my experience, something I had no control over. And it's a, it was a scary, but a possibility. And now we're working collectively with the spread of the virus, right? Like the big danger, scary thought is, you know, I'm not going to go into detail on it, but like, I'm sure we can all imagine what that big scary thought is. And it's happening and it's out of our control and we don't know how long it'll be and how we'll be affected by it. Those things, I feel like I have these parallels, um, which, you know, doesn't mean that there isn't processing to do. Um, I have been doing a lot of it. Um, I just feel that uh, in a in a very bizarre way, these <laughs> these experiences over the last two years, I'm feeling bizarrely grateful for them in a new way. You know, I think I used to think like, oh, okay, when I was trying to like see the bright side of this whole thing, I'm like, I'm just going to get, you know, I'm going to get really intimate with my body and my health and I'm going to be really aware of my energy and I'm going to have much better boundaries and I'm going to um, be really efficient and, you know, appreciative of my well-being (laughs) (laughs) And then when I get better, I will just keep all those practices in place. And, you know, this is like my vision. And uh, it doesn't always look that way. So, you know, I didn't think, of course, like, you know what? This is going to come in really handy when that pandemic breaks out. (laughs) I wasn't thinking that. Um, and, um, And it is you know, um, with all the closures and all the distancing, like I'm in, I'm recording this in Toronto. Um, most people I know are distancing and practicing that. I've heard that there's people who are not in other places, but, um, I really do limit my news intake. Um, this was already in place. So these are these perks, right? Like already because <laughs> after the injury, I left Facebook really, really limited my information intake, especially stressful information. Um, uh, really asking myself the question of what does it mean to be informed? Because there's a really big difference in what being informed looks like and what just like blasting yourself with a fire hose of fear looks like. And, um, um, so yeah, I'm not really plugged into alarmist media. Um, oh shit. Where was I going? I was talking about how everyone's spaced out. Speaking of spaced out. (laughs) What was I saying? I don't know. Anyway, it'll come back. Um, Was I talking about how I felt prepared for this? Anyway. Hi. (laughs) If you're still listening, I'm really like... You know, I have found myself like needing to limit also, um, there's, yeah, there's the, the negative alarmist media that's just going to like send sirens all over my nervous system, which I have been cutting out for a long time. Um, uh, but then there's also the good stuff, right? Like choir, which I'll just use as this, you know, constant example, like that was good stuff. And it was too much for my system after, uh, the injury. I tried going back once it was horrible. I tried going back six months later. It took, it was a hellish 48 hours. And then, you know, I was completely defeated and like energy wise. And then 
that's just one thing. Like just, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really function for 48 hours was excruciating, a lot of pain. And then, you know, another like bunch of days to kind of move through that. I just couldn't afford (laughs) that kind of hit to my energy. And then I think a year later I went back and I got to sing, nothing's going to stop us now. And I was so fucking happy about that. And then, um, you know, I did, I did have symptoms afterwards, but not, not as bad. It still was a big, you know, um, energy cost, but it, um, was nowhere near as bad, but it definitely wasn't something I could do on the regular. Um, that was six months ago. So, you know, all of this good information, all of these talks about meditation, all of these, you know, there's a lot of people wanting to be of service who are doing a beautiful job showing up and speaking to whomever. And I think what's really important for you, listener, is that you check in with yourself. It is okay to unplug. It is okay if you don't want to meditate right now. It is okay no matter what. Because, you know, these aren't... Um, these aren't usual times. I don't know how to like record podcasts during a pandemic. I've never done it before. <laughs> um, I, um, there's a lot that we don't know. What I do know is that the relationship I've built with myself over these many years, um, they show up in all kinds of times in my life. And um, especially, you know, I think in times like this, where we start to notice what's important, we start to notice what we can do without, um, we start to notice, oh, look at all the ways that I was keeping busy and coping, um, numbing, you know, being productive, whatever. Um, things really come to the surface. And um, I think you want a really good person there with you by good, you know, I mean you, right? Like, so, you know, can you be kind to yourself in situations like this? Like really kind. I don't mean practicing loving kindness and like making it a big thing. I mean, just not freaking judging your reactions, not judging your behavior, paying some sweet attention, even in the most informal way. Um... I gave advice to somebody going through a really shitty um, breakup once. And it was like, you just, just, just do whatever feels good right now. Don't give a shit about anything else. <laughs> just do whatever feels good. Like the next good thing, any kind of relief. And um, that's going to look differently for all of us. And it's going to look differently every day, you know? Um, I didn't think if you had told me like two years ago that (laughs) it would take two years plus, um, to be healing from this thing. And if you had told me that, you know, people who love me would, um, really surprise me (laughs) with their behavior. If you had told me that, you know, all the things that I loved, that I was good at, not all the things. A lot of the things that I loved that, that I was good at, that I looked forward to, that I associated with like who I was, um, wouldn't be available. Um, I don't know if I would have been able to take that news in, you know, 
Um, it's a lot to think about. And um, we don't know how long we're going to have to have our lives altered this way. There's a lot of grief happening, even if it doesn't look the way you think grief looks like. I might talk about that on another episode. Um, But I wouldn't have thought I could get through it. And here I am, standing in a community garden, watching (laughs) neighbors jog (laughs) and uh, everyone keep their space and parks. I'm sitting here talking to you at a podcast that I hadn't yet created two years ago. Um, I got through and I got through and I'm still getting through and, um, I wouldn't have signed up for it and I wouldn't have said, yeah, I'll, you know, (laughs) that'll be great. Like I just, I wouldn't have, but my point is, is that, you know, if you consider this a voice from the future, whatever the future holds, you will be surprised at what you can adapt to. You will be surprised. It won't all be fun. Um, I don't know what it holds, but I know that um, this is a really, experiences like this out of our control, we're doing this individually and collectively, Um, well, it brings things, it brings things to the surface. Um, It really washes away the things that you can be without and it reveals what's left. So this is no small thing. Um, This has been some really deep work that I have been doing and continue to do. Who is this person without this life, without these friends, without this job, without this ability? Who is here? And I'm not even going to say like, love this person because like, that might be a little too much too fast. I think the most loving thing that you can do is hold space. Hold space right now, including like you might just need to completely distract for a while. I had all of these things in my mind. Um, I had canceled Netflix before I hit my head. Like I had gone off TV a few times in my life and it was helpful and I was smug about it. You know, I had judgments about TV and, um, you know, whatever people who watch TV, including myself, mainly myself. And, um, it saved my life last year. I think RuPaul saved my life last year. (laughs) Like, um, I remember reading a blog post at some point that gave me permission where it was some therapist just talking about how like watching, if you're in a traumatized state, watching, um, especially shows that, you know, especially shows that you've seen before and love. Maybe you're someone who like rewatches, you know, I know Gilmore Girls is really popular for this, um, where you know there won't be any violence. You already know the story. If you have had to take in a lot of shock a little too fast, some kind of impact or change to your life that's really scary, especially if you've had previous, you know, traumatic experiences that were like rolling around and that get sparked up by this whole thing. Um, being able to count on like a few hours of knowing what's going to happen next. Like, you know, Lorelai's going to talk really fast. You know, that they're going to have a coffee, whatever. Um, <laughs> like you, uh, it can like, just really like 
calm you down. You know, I thought that I would be going to like meditation and yoga and restorative. And I learned um, that actually these things that I thought seemed really mellow and relaxing, they they're deep. They perform a lot of really deep, deep work. Um, I mean, I knew that, but I didn't really get it until I tried it. And I was like, yeah, just, it was really putting it all, um, flipping this whole idea of like what exertion was, what counted as hard work, what looks like hard work, what looks like productivity. Um, you know, meditating can be very troublesome. Um, depending on, you know, what kind of a state that you're in. So um, I, uh, I invite you to proceed with extreme compassion, self-compassion, caution, take it easy. Just by staying home, that is being productive right now, right? Like by doing that, you are making a huge difference in, you know, planking the curve, flattening the curve. That is doing something, Um, you don't need to be suddenly like going through, you know, the art of French cooking or whatever. You don't need to prove anything. I don't know, um, listener, if this is, (laughs) oh, you're still here. I don't know if this is helpful or not. The thought that's on my mind right now is, um, you know, This might be a lot longer than you think. This is some like tough love. Um, Really from my heart. This might take longer than you think. Um, Slowing down is really hard. Just when you think you've slowed down so much, uh, you'll have to slow down even more. And um, it can feel impossible. It's not impossible. It is an extraordinary, extraordinary strength to build. It is, um, I'm in awe of what's happened to me since I've had to slow down so much. Um, you know, I really have become a new person. I think that a lot of these experiences, um, they do change us and that's not a bad thing. And definitely, you know, this whole thing that we're experiencing together, this is going to change us like the big us, all of us together and us as individuals, um, relationships are operating in a very different way right now. Right. You know, maybe you have a relationship with someone that was really working when you both, You know, you went to your job at night and they went to their job during the day and you had like, you know, very structured time together and now maybe you're cooped up together. Well, what's that like? What I do know is that um, it's okay to grieve this. It's okay to grieve the little things. Um... I resisted that. I resisted that because I was comparing my experience to other people's. Um, You know, I was like, other people have it worse. And that was true. And um, thinking that, you know, my problems were small. 
and then just feeling really ashamed of even like the grief that I was feeling about it. You know, like I'll just, there's so much more, but I'm just going to keep using the choir example. Like me grieving, not going to choir. Is this like, you know, in the, in the scheme of things, I felt like this was trivial. This was like a trivial, like whimsical thing. And, um, it's like, you know, there are bigger fish to fry or whatever. It doesn't change the fact that it's happening. You know, um, if someone else is hungry somewhere else and you feel guilty because you have food, like you not eating the food doesn't help them, you know, and you need to eat, right? We need fuel. Um, is that fair? Is that tragic? Like no. And yes. Um, but it just doesn't work that way. The grief that you have coming up, allow it to come up through you. You're in charge of your body. You're in charge of your experience. And in charge doesn't always mean in control. I just mean you are the one tending this particular patch of fleshy garden. And that's your job. Tend to it with so much love. Tend to it with like lots and lots of compassion. Um... Um, it's still there, you know, um, a friend of mine years ago, um, was losing her mom. Her mom was sick and, uh, we were sitting in a group. There was a bunch of us there. And, um, I remember some, someone was sharing something about their mom and they stopped themselves and said how they felt so awful talking about this wonderful time they'd had with their mom in front of their friend here who's was losing her mom and they like felt like they didn't want to share and the friend who was experiencing that loss said you know it doesn't change anything like you 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 not enjoying time with your mom doesn't make my mom well it doesn't bring her back and uh it isolates even further right i mean like knowing that your friends are withholding you know, the truth of their lives, the stories of their lives, this precious, beautiful experience of just hanging out with your mom, um, uh, creates more of a distance and a separation at a time where connection, um, and truth and love are just like so crucial, you know, life is unfair in a lot of ways. It doesn't make sense. And, um, I think this is, you know, this is one of the really touchy places where about self-love. Um, that's a word people use and interpret in a lot of ways. And I get that like random Instagram posts and, you know, the things I, I love to share online. That's not the place for these deeper nuanced discussions. Um, it is really challenging for people like you who cares so much about the world to put yourselves first, to feel the grief, to say that your problem, though, you know, maybe not as bad as someone else's, it still needs tending. And you're the only one who can do that. It's not instead of. I, um, it's really an order of which that these things happen in, you know? And, um, how they feed one another. Um, it's not so simple 
It's not something you can just draw with a comic. It's like, um, some kind of healing requires community. It's so much bigger. Not all. You know, I think we move into this. There's these roles that community and, and um, family, friends, loved ones, the kinds of love and compassion we can receive from the outside. Um, it plays an enormous role in our well-being as humans because we are hardwired for connection and belonging. So, of course, no, self-love isn't just about focusing on you. And focusing on you means focusing on you in like the truth of who you are, which is a human who needs connection. That's not, in, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like in isolation. It's really about like um, the focus, the attention um, to understand yourself, to come from a place of like, we're the hardest on ourselves. I know you know that. Even in your worst, even at your gossipy worst, you've said so much worse to yourself in your own thoughts. That's why this work is important, even in times where it seems like we don't have time for that. It's like, this is the time for that. It's the time for anything that you can do to be closer to love. And um, you are the source of that love. You are the vessel of that love. You can't change whether people are ready to receive or give or any of that. But you do, you do have access to you. Whatever, whatever that is in this lifetime, that's what you have access to. I'm looking at these little uh, raised gardens here in this community garden. In, uh, where am I? Ravina Gardens. Somewhere. I'm at, <laughs> I don't know, Clendenin and something. There's a school. Anyway, <laughs> I'm looking at all these raised beds, right? These like individual beds and everybody has their own to tend to. And they go together. I believe there's one, two, three, there's a dozen of them all together. It's like a little carton of eggs, but they're all gardens. And, um, you know, you can't tend to other people's, but they all kind of come together. That's what you've been given. The more that you can grow, the more that you can bring that into yourself, the more that you can be a healthy thing than like these gardens, you'll have like clippings you can share to start other gardens that don't quite have enough. There's something kind of, um, I don't know where you are in the world about like what kind of seasons you have, but you know, here in Toronto, we're experiencing all this as spring is arriving and spring in Toronto is like, uh, there's nothing quite like it. I, I, um, I just, you know, because of how cold it is and ugly and <laughs> miserable it is in those winter months often, um, there's this big extreme shift, right? I know we all have seasons of different kinds, but these are just more extreme and more pronounced. And, um, you know, like people just get so excited about the first little tiny bits of green. And, uh, when you can go outside without a jacket or like when you can wear flip flops with your jeans or whatever, and you see that you see people lit up with this like spring energy, flirtatious energy, happy dogs. Some people got dogs, you know, over the holidays or in the fall and these dogs have never had a spring in their life. And so they're just like freaking out all the smells. It's a wonderful time. And I'm really grateful that, um, 
it's this bittersweet beauty of you know, experiencing this joy and seeing the earth's resilience at a time where um, we're feeling very fragile and, um, you know, seeing how precious our lives are, our well-being, how connected we are to one another, how vulnerable that we are, how incredibly brave the people who, you know, are working in healthcare right now are. Um, yeah, I'm just like completely in awe of everybody who is uh, a part of an essential service of any kind working through these conditions. We don't, no one has training for this. Um, so thank you for being here. I'm going to, uh, like I said, I'd had my Instagram post all scheduled and, um, uh, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> That doesn't make sense. That's a Sarah Silverman t- tweet right there. <laughs> I can't have that going up. Um, oh, God, it's so funny. There was one that was all about, like, being being the first on the dance floor. And it was this whole thing about crowds. And I'm like, nope, that's not coming up. Um, it'll. But now I have, like, a whole bunch of content that I can reuse when we all come back together. So that'll be nice. Um, so... Yes, <laughs> I um, take great care of yourself. If I have like one piece of advice for you or some, you know, wisdom or whatever is just to um, allow yourself the amazement <laughs> of seeing how you can adapt without effort, just being yourself allow yourself that experience of seeing what you're capable of um, without judgment. Remove it. You are doing so much better than you think you are. Um, this hasn't been done. This, this, this generation, this, um, you know, these circumstances in a world, you know, that's as connected as we are. We have the internet, like, um, this hasn't been done. And um, you're not expected to know how. You're not expected to, you know, get this right. This is going to touch on all the areas of your life where you think you should be getting it right, right? Like this is like a, oh, okay, well, um, how about this? <laughs> you can get this right too? Um, there's no such thing. And you are so lovable and wonderful and valuable. I was walking yesterday in the park with a friend, keeping our distance. We were looking at the trees and she said how, you know, love looking at them and how they reflect systems in our own bodies. And, um, and when you just start to look at nature and you see all these patterns, um, you start to see that we're actually not all that special. She meant that in a way of like, you know, not self-deprecation, but of like, you know, we're all the same. We're all connected. We're not as unique and separate as we might think sometimes. And, uh, also we pointed out that, um, just because the trees all kind of looked the same, um, that doesn't mean that we don't want a whole lot more trees, right? Like if any of those trees were like, oh man, you know, 
um, this oak over here is pretty rocking it in terms of like <laughs> all the things a tree should be. So I won't bother. We wouldn't have the park. We wouldn't have forests. We wouldn't have so much more life. We need life. We need each other. You are a part of this too. So, um, I just wanted to connect and, uh, speak to you from my heart, from this garden. And, um, I hope that all is well with you. I hope that you, you and your loved ones are taking great care. Um, be really kind to yourself, dear listeners, because you are someone worth loving and it all starts with you and we're all connected. I, um, I definitely um, am interested if you do want to reach out, uh, reach out anytime, Danette at RadicalCreativeSanctuary.com. I'm also on Instagram at Radical underscore Creative underscore Sanctuary. And um, if you have any requests at this time or any time around what you want to hear, I am open. I know I gathered requests from a bunch of you on Instagram. Thank you. Um, <laughs> of course, that was like just before all of this are you dating? <laughs> One of the really popular ones was self-love and dating. And I think it's really interesting in a time where we're also distancing. Um, yeah, so those are all like um, uh, coming up. And if anyone has any um, uh, any requests around things specific to this time, reach out, reach out. Um, all right, I'm going to head back home. <sighs> Be well. I'll talk to you soon.